Can you imagine being on a red eye flight and the hockey team rolls in that hasn't showered because they, they <laughs> just got done playing 120 minutes? Oh, well, I can't imagine anything worse <laughs> than a six-hour flight. Quickly through the airport. <laughs> you know what is it? It's a, it's a, I think it's like a five-hour, six-hour stupid long flight to get to Minneapolis from up there. That would be awful to smell nothing but hockey. <laughs> Take turns changing in the bathroom on the plane. They would definitely get quarantined in Seattle then, wouldn't they? Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. Covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 17 of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. This week, the regular crew is joined by Shane Frederick from the Mankato Free Press. Thanks for joining us, Shane. You're welcome. Glad to be on. I really wish we were putting this conversation off at least a week. <laughs> Me too, but whatever. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know how much our listeners care to know that we almost didn't have a podcast this week, but the team won, so here we are recording because there's more content. I was going to take a week off and recover because I'm, I'm getting a little tired of editing right now but whatever well I mean just be glad I suppose that you got uh, the game one there and uh, triple overtime you didn't uh, weren't watching a Sunday game it was almost a Sunday game almost yeah as Joe said he thought we should have gotten out of there a little bit earlier and I tend to agree with him <laughs> this week we'll be discussing that series uh, recap uh, general state of the WCHA we'll talk about some poor little man from Marquette and uh, the WCHA playoffs in general. Anything else I'm missing, guys, that you really want to talk about? Maybe maybe all the, the jerseys that have been stolen from Michigan Tech that made appearances at the high school tournament this weekend? Oh wow! Yeah, it always amazes me. You know, you got a good you know you got a good set when you know you keep seeing your own school stuff up there in the tournament. I don't care about. <laughs> You're like the one guy on this podcast right today that doesn't care about that. I'm sorry, I live on the other side of the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and start with the NMU Michigan Tech series, I guess. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. We're back. Um, I guess we can just jump right in and talk about the Michigan Tech Northern Michigan series, which was probably the second most interesting series of the weekend since it didn't go three. Um, certainly the most interesting to the majority of our listeners, but um, I don't know. It was very interesting to watch that series. I, you know, I don't think Tech looked very good the first two periods, but they got the tying goal. It didn't fall behind very far, which seems to be what they can do and then like usual they found a way to get some goals in the third period and really uh, pick things up at that point and then Saturday night we had some fun um, I can almost guarantee that if the series went three games that those refs would not have been in Marquette anymore 
And yeah, and Joe talked at length on the show this week about the refs and that whole situation and a couple different parts of that situation. And their general incompetence. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like and we've had a lot of discussions internally about the refing and cuz cuz Jay-Z wants we we got we have someone that drives that real well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have somebody in our we have Jay-Z our preview writer who wants nothing to do with WCHA being in charge of refs anymore and and thinks it should go to the NCA level and we all kind of laugh at him sorry Jay-Z but cuz I just don't think that solves the problem because the NCA has bigger things to deal with they're not going to care about how good yeah, the like basketball and football well they don't care they're not going to care how good the refs are in the WCHA they're, it's not going to be a priority at all right and if you and, you know just to jump in on that i mean i think that college basketball college football also are done conference to conference so they're not going to yeah. they're not going to change it up for hockey um if they're not going to do it for uh, the sports that they they care most about, so uh, they let the they let the conferences uh, figure that out, and um, certainly I think uh, you know not to jump ahead too too far in the future, but uh, I'm going to guess that's going to be a, a pretty prime uh, discussion among the uh, C- the new CCHA uh, programs as they start to put together the structure for their uh, for that conference. Yeah. So how much of, like I what are your impressions of the refs this year in general? Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it's you know, I I try really hard and have for a really long time to to not uh get too uh wrapped up in that. Um I think as a newspaper writer, I think it's one of those things that you kind of you know, learn from an early, from early on that you you know, unless it's really controversial, it's not really worth mentioning. But I, I will say it does feel like, and maybe it's because of the opportunity to put things out on social media, video, uh, et cetera, et cetera, um, it, it does seem like there's a lot more discussion of it, probably in every sport from uh, college to pro to, to whatever. But you know, I I just think there are some things that I look at and just shake my head at, and I don't know if it's necessarily an indictment of the WCHA, of college hockey in general, of officiating in general. Uh, but, you know, I look at, um, for instance, uh, the play uh, at, uh, at Bowling Green a couple of weeks ago, the um, stick to the head. Now they did supplemental dip, uh, discipline uh, the next, you know, for that game and suspended the kid for the next game. But you know, if you watch the video of it, there's at least two officials watching it happen. And the fact that it doesn't, you know, uh, it's not called on the ice as a disc- game disqualification is just uh, bizarre to me. And, and maybe that's another part of it, too, is the fact that there is supplemental discipline, that there is video review of majors, of potential majors, uh, that's really maybe taken a lot of the... Um, taken it out of the referee's hands and allowed them to like call things after the fact. And I, I don't know. I just, you guys tell me what you think. But, but we have to realize that the, they're supposed to be a, an in-game punishment for those things. And That's if that right. doesn't happen, like it can completely change the game. Like that little man, Diff- Griffin Lofgren probably shouldn't have even been playing this weekend. I think we just refer to him as that little man, the entire podcast. I know. Well, I have to say his name once, right? All right. There you go. There's the one time. The one time. So from now on, that poor little man is 
And for those who don't get the reference, go listen to the last min- 10 minutes of the Joe Sean hour this week and you'll get a kick out of that. He'll probably get fined for it, but we'll enjoy it. And I might even tag that on to the end of this show just because those 10 minutes are well worth listening for anybody. Might even do some other thing. I don't know, but uh, he... Like, he probably shouldn't even be playing this weekend after he hit that ref last week. And I'm still shocked that nothing came of that. Like, I I don't understand how the ref didn't feel it necessary to bring it up or at least, you know, look at it later or whatever. And then the fact that because nobody asked for a review till Monday, like, it's that you can't do anything about somebody. Because it's not even like a player hit a player which is what right. the team should be looking for and caring about yeah who who is res- i mean that, that brings up a really interesting point on that you know who's responsible for basically telling the league that you should look at this because the other it's not something against you know tech necessarily right it's something that happened at tech obviously northern doesn't want to bring it up no you know, it's it's who it's should be responsible the, for bringing that up to review and why should it be subject to a time review it's on the rough. time at that point that's on the league itself or on the ref himself to report it. Yeah, the refs are the ones that were supposed to at least mention that, even if it's like offhand comment that he got hit in and didn't really realize what happened or whatever. And I totally understand maybe why he didn't say anything, but you watch that video and I don't see how you can look at it and not at least think it needed to be reviewed. And it obviously didn't get reviewed. That's what the league told me point blank. And just in general, I think I think one of the biggest things I struggle with with college hockey and more specifically the WCHA because I think the NCHC at least does this is we're left clueless yes like they don't tell us what they're looking at they don't tell us why like we know it was overturned because it was offsides on Saturday night but they don't tell us that it's because the back skate was off the ice they, right. you know we don't have any clue all I have is this grainy video to look at and they couldn't have had much better than what I had to look at from what tech published on their site or on Twitter, and yet we're supposed to figure this out. And then I, I don't expect to hear back from the league. But I asked what, what was called, what the review, like what the determine, like what was called, and what did you use to review it? Because if they had something that looks better than what we saw on Twitter, like why don't they just put it out there and say this is what we use, this is why we called it off? Because you shouldn't be able to overturn it on speculation of what you think happened. That's the whole point of it is to prove it. Right, there was a play. The Anchorage's second goal against Minnesota State on Saturday night was such a weird play um, because if you were watching it live, Dryden McKay gives up this crazy rebound, and there's nobody trailing uh, the the Anchorage guy who goes to the rebound and scores into an empty net, and it just was a bizarre goal uh, just because of the way it happened. And then all of a sudden, they called a review for icing. And I went back and watched uh, the Flow TV, and now I don't know if the referees and uh, linesmen had a better, uh, if they had a better view of it than what Flow showed, but it certainly looks like Anchorage ices the puck. Um, You can't tell for sure if there's a guy at center ice who tips it. The problem is, is by the time the camera gets over to the guy who takes the initial shot, the puck's already on his stick, and it's so it's either come off of the back wall, or it's come off of a side wall in front of the line, or someone somewhere beat someone else out for an icing, 
but you don't really see any of that. So I have a feeling that they only called it a good goal because they didn't have a good view of uh, this potential icing. And I'm not saying it should or shouldn't have been a goal. I just don't know. I was at least appreciative of the fact that they announced that it was that they re- were re- that they were reviewing for icing because if you guys um, and anyone listening has followed me on Twitter, they know that's a little bit of my <laughs> that's a little bit of my soapbox. That like you were saying, they are they don't say anything or they rarely say anything, and and it's not just for me, and it's just not for the media. It's for the fact that there's forty five hundred people in. Uh, the Mankato Civic Center wondering why a goal was taken off the board or at, or left on the board or whatever it might be. But there's no yeah. explanation. There, there are too few goals that are scored in college hockey or hockey in general to not explain to people why a goal is good or not. Says the Mankato guy. <laughs> there's no explanation because if they're giving explanation, they'll be a they're going to be exposed for even even more exposed for all the inconsistencies they have. Yeah. Well, they're they're supposed to give. I mean, remember when we talked to Britain? They're yeah. circling the wagons. He's supposed to be able to get an announcement. Yep. Greg Shepard said it during the uh, during the WCHA conference call at the beginning of the season that they were instructed to tell the announcers to say something. But I don't know. Uh, I I still think they should mic them up. Um, if they can mic up uh, referees at high school football games, they can mic up referees at WCHA uh, games. Yeah, well, that's something Tim and I were kind of talking about a little bit during the day today too. And I don't know, I don't remember who it was, if it was on Discord or where I saw it, but someone said that you know if we're going to be looking back at these kind of things and reviewing them and making huge important decisions, we need to spend a little bit of money, get some better cameras on the blue lines. If this is going to be a point that every single goal gets called back by every coach that's anywhere close. Let's get cameras where they need to be to actually cover it or stop reviewing every single thing for something you can't see. Yeah. Yeah. Another example I'll just throw out there. Then you guys, if you want to move on, we can, but uh, you know, the Mavericks play in that Bemidji state uh, final weekend of the regular season. This is regular season. So uh, there was a weird play uh, Bemidji defenseman, uh, is shooting the puck down the ice. He hits a referee or a linesman, excuse me, along the wall. Puck caroms out right to a Bemidji player. He goes in it alone and scores. Um, the They review it, and there was zero explanation at the Sanford Center other than to say the goal is under review. Uh, no, everyone's trying to figure out what happened. My only guess is it was um, that they were looking for offsides. But in the regular season, that's a coach's challenge. So you have to at least announce that to the fans, right, that this is a coach's challenge. And when it, when, it, when the goal stood, they needed to say that Minnesota State lost its timeout, if that was what exactly happened. Now, it turned out not to be real relevant, and I forgot to ask at the end of the game. But after the fact, I thought, why, why did they review that? Was it a challenge? Did the coach ask for it to be challenged? Um, and if so... You know, people need to know what the ramifications are um, because otherwise it's just a lot of screaming and booing and, you know, complaining about the officials by people who don't know what the, you know, what the calls are because nothing is being told to them. In the end, it it all rolls up to Greg Shepard, and he is not doing his job as head of officials. It, the, it's inconsistency. Every game is different how it's called. And and it's worse than it used to be. It's always going to be a little bit of inconsistency, but 
it, it, this is extreme levels of it. And there doesn't seem to be any kind of repercussions for officials that aren't following his guidance. If, if his guidance was to tell the in-arena announcers an explanation so it can be announced and they're not doing it, you know, his, his guys are openly defying that and there's nothing happening. It, yeah. It, Greg Shepard is the problem. And well, I think the other problem you can talk to about is the fact that maybe it's the same problem that Joe's talked about where his bench isn't deep enough. Like does Shepard have enough refs at his disposal that he can afford to like tell this guy you don't get to work next weekend because you didn't do what I said. You, like is his pool deep enough that the, the teams are going to be happy with the guys that they are getting because the ones aren't following the rules. Like, if nobody followed the rules for a, a whole weekend, Shep can't suspend all eight of or ten of them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, he needs, like, I agree with you that I think a lot of it rolls up to Shep either not doing a good job of getting the point across of what they need to do or not doing anything to actually enforce the fact that they're not doing those things. And, yeah, it's... It's frustrating because you don't see consistency and and uh and even like within a game or whatever, like I don't understand how any ref if if what Joe said on the show Monday morning is correct about the way they talked about that little man, any ref that says that to a coach should be fired on the spot there should be they should never set foot on ice again. you've one hundred percent lost your impartiality you're not being impartial at that point. If that's the way you're viewing it. How many penalty minutes does he have? 90-some minutes? Lofren total, 90-something, and Sorensen's yeah. right there at 100. They're, yeah. they're top yeah. two in the league. Yeah. I've got their, I've got the box score up. Scott Ruth and Shane Paskey <laughs> should never ref a game again. I mean, it's going on. I don't think Joe is lying on the show. No. You're, you're taking Joe at his word, but if that's what happened. I, I've never heard him lie in my life, so. That, it, it, it's, it's inexcusable. If there's anything Joe is, it's truthful, sometimes to a fault. <laughs> To not call that penalty on just the action alone and to base it base your call on anything else previous that's happened in the game is not refing correctly. Yeah, if you if you watch that play, like the the little clip I think that somebody posted on Discord yep. in our chat, right? Like I could see the ref calling a two on our guy and a five on sure. Lofgren. Like yeah. why didn't he just do that? Like I could one hundred percent see a roughing call on us. He's standing over the top of the guy and he obviously got in that position somehow, so I don't really have a problem with them both getting called. Right. As long as Lofgren gets a major because he obviously did spear him or well, he dangled but in the wrong yeah. place, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> and it's just like I don't understand how a kid that has the reputation he has of having 90-some penalty minutes on the year gets the benefit of the doubt on this stuff. That's what I don't get. Like, Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. I think that's the thing. Like, if you, you know, we see so much about refereeing. You watch an NFL game, and you get the Mike Pereira in the box, and it's almost to the point where, like, come on, everybody, let's watch the actual game. Let's not talk about the officiating. Um, but, you know, what you realize is, you know, the work that has to be done to do the job and part of that work is knowing you know what situation you're in so if you draw the michigan tech northern michigan series as an as an official you got to know and you know it's not like he's a new player i mean he's you know he leads the country second in the country in goals second in the country in penalty minutes i mean you know what 
he, you know, you know two things about him. You know the puck's going to be on his stick a lot. When it's not. And you know he's going to be doing some extracurricular stuff out there uh, when he doesn't, with his stick, when he doesn't have the have the puck, probably. And, you know, and I'm not saying you have to be on the lookout for him constantly and give him a lot of extra stuff, but you do have to know the situation. And the situation is that, you know, this is a guy that takes a lot of penalties. You've got to know that he's a guy that, that I'm sure coaches around the league have complained about. You have to know that he's, um, that you know, there's a chance that he's um, going to do something late in a period. I mean, it's it's happened a lot, and and I'm not trying to completely pick on you know one player. There are other players in the league who who fall into that category, and you have to, you, but you just have to know going in, like, hey, I got to know that this guy is somebody to watch out for because if you don't do that and then you're just, then you're not doing your job. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to stir the pot. That's what he does. He gets under the other uh, team skin, uses that to his advantage. And like you said, he scores a ton of goals. You need to be aware that he's a guy that's going to do that kind of thing. And when it happens, you can't, you can't blame another team's, style at all for the actions he's taking him retaliating is has nothing to do with how tech is playing him or whatever other team is playing him at all you you have right. to judge the action of what he has done as an independent act it's not it may have been brought on by you know him getting tackled the ice sure take the two you know from the tech side but to give him less of a penalty for spearing someone in the crotch and let him play in the rest of the game that's the other part of it like he should have been done Right, for sure. And that's his own fault for doing it, that it impacts the game. We've got a guy that's off the ice because he basically got tackled into the boards. Yeah, he could have come back because he missed. He was out for 10 minutes, right? He was out for his 10, but I don't think his arm was working too well based on how the way he went off the ice. <laughs> no, Dave, Dave Ellis made a comment that he was like in the tunnel with his jersey off with like an ice pack yeah. on or whatever, yeah. Yep, So yeah, you could tell as he came off the ice he but, wasn't going back. But you, you can't you can't judge you can't judge the 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 occurrence from what's happened in the rest of the game. You have to call the penalty that's happened. Otherwise, you're never gonna you're never going to have an unobjective view of it as a ref. You can't let the rest of the game affect it. And I think the other point that's important to make is we're doing this. We're talking about this as the winning team. Like, I feel <laughs> like it it carries more weight when I'm saying like we still won in spite of this. I'm not saying we shouldn't have, like. I'm not complaining that we didn't win because this happened. We still won the game, so I feel like there's more power to to talking about it now when like we still managed to win the game or, or they did. I I don't know how I talk most of the time on this podcast, but like it feels more valid to complain to the officials and to the league about it when it's not just sour grapes over a loss, right? Well, and it, like Joe said on his show, it's a safety thing at this point. He's hurting people. Well, and he, he, you know, to be fair, you know, and you know, one thing to to give a little bit of fairness to the league to some point is they did, they did put out a press release suspending him today. So I mean, he is out for you know the first game next October against whoever Northern opens the season against. Which so, is, which uh, is he, just going to be a punishment for the rest of the league because yeah. now he's not going to play in a non-conference <laughs> game, and it's going to hurt the you know unless, unless I, I I could go back and read that maybe maybe they should have at least made it for the first WCHA game or something. But and, no, that's I'm not, I think you're correct. I'm not sure they can do that. 
but I wish I'm not sure. They, they I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen the protocol or the or the uh, what the how the supplemental discipline works. But um, he should be suspended for his next game against Tech. What's that? Yeah, I, I think you could. I think at the very least you could say next conference game. But um, but I don't I don't know. And that's the thing that stinks. Like like Dustin made the point. Like that actually hurts the WCHA that he's not going to play in most likely a non-conference game probably against a quality opponent and if they somehow <laughs> lose the game he doesn't play in that's bad for the league so not that they'd necessarily win if he plays but it's not really helping uh, tech or the league to have him suspended for a non-conference game if he comes back which was a point that I saw made uh somewhere but yeah it's 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 not a good situation probably don't need to spend 20 whole minutes on it but <laughs> but that's all right i just like the fact that i, I actually went up to the game on saturday and the fact that i was talking to there's another fan beside me that was talking trash pretty much the whole game back and forth as you do when you're standing in an opposing arena right right and i literally had a woman i said something around the lines he's a potster he does stuff this was way before he actually nut cupped the guy you know just in general he was doing law friend things and i actually had a whole bunch of the northern crowd like turn around and yell at me that tech's the dirty team and that you know you just you you're only viewing it that way because you're a tech fan. It's like no, you guys have the two most penalized guys in the country, but uh, you know reading's hard for those uh, folks over there, Marquette. So yeah, we already have one episode called "End This for Knowledge," right? I do think I do think we do <laughs> throw numbers throw numbers into it, and they're just not yeah. going to look anymore. Yeah. I kind of hope he does go pro just for the one reason of uh, he's going to get his act beat by somebody in in pro hockey if he pull, pulls this shit. It's, it's one of those things where you wish there was a John Scott-like character on the team just to light him up and end what he's doing. Not that I care for that kind of retaliation and putting us in the box, that kind of thing. It's nice to see our guys kind of ignore him most of the night, to be honest. But there will be in the ECHL or the AHL, wherever he ends up. Somebody yeah. will. <laughs> Someone's going to enforce his actions, shall we say. Yeah. Well, I suppose we could talk about the Mankato series. Was there anything else interesting with that one? I know they made a couple, or they got smoked on Friday, but made a game of it Saturday a little bit at least. But Yeah, I thought for the most part, you know, it was... It's, it was kind of a typical uh, weekend between those two teams for what they've done earlier in the year. The Friday night games, um, the Mavericks kind of have blown out the Seawolves. I think it was 7-1 to both in November in Mankato and in uh, January up in uh, Anchorage. And then the second night was closer every night in terms of the scoreboard. It was 3-0 in Mankato and then it was the tie um, and the 3-on-3 three three Maverick win up in Anchorage where uh, the Mavericks had to score two extra attacker goals to prevent a, you know, what would have been a really bad upset loss. So I really, it was funny. I was walking around the concourse at the, uh, let's get the name right. Mayo clinic health system event center in Mankato. That's a mouthful. <laughs> on Saturday night. And I had several people walking up to me saying another eight, one game tonight, eight, nothing. What do you think? And I just thought, well, uh, no, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> uh, it just, you know, it just seems to happen. And I'll say this about, you know, I think Anchorage, if you know, I want to compare them to, uh, what's going on with Huntsville right now. Um, you know, Anchorage has got some good young players. I think they play really hard. 
I think they're going to improve. I think if their goaltending gets to be consistent at all, if Chris Carlson plays more games like he did last night, or excuse me, Saturday night than he than uh, Friday night when he got yanked after one period, um, they're going to be okay. I'm not saying they're going to be in the top four or five in the league, but I think they have a chance to be another playoff team again next year. Um, you know, maybe improve a little bit. I, I just think that uh, they got they got a few things going. I remember a few years ago when they came to Mankato and uh, they were dreadful. I mean, it was really bad. Um, and that's kind of reminded me a little bit about what Huntsville's been looking like lately. So I, uh, I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give Coach Curley some credit there. He's uh, it's especially in a tough situation. I think uh, he, he's got he's got the program going in a, in a, in a good direction uh, right now. Yeah, I agree. I think he's definitely been like what he's been able to do so far has been a bit of a surprise to me that they're not terrible. I think we talked about that mm-hmm. last week, Dustin, where that one of the bigger surprises of the year is the fact that Anchorage wasn't tenth. He may he, he maybe should be a candidate for WCHA Coach of the Year for an eighth place team. Yeah, <laughs> which he could be. I, I I think I think that's I think that's going to go to Tom's territory pretty easily. But yeah, you're you're right. I think uh, I could see people giving him votes, especially if they went back to the old days of the uh, of the big ballots with uh, you know nine nine ballots per uh, per per team uh, with media members voting and such. But now mm-hmm. it's just coaches. So. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be Tom Saratori. I don't know what you guys think. I think that'd be a good pick. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I wouldn't see any problem with that. Yeah, he's done a hell of a job at Bemidji, that's for sure. Yeah, especially the last two months. It would be amazing what a little bit of stability would do for both the Alaska schools. Yeah, stop the conference reshufflings on them. Give them a budget that just sticks for at least I don't know three years without <laughs> being ripped apart by their government and. I think those two schools would both be in good shape, but it's just been a snowball effect on both of them at this point. Yeah, it was a that that day last summer was a pretty rough day to have the, the seven teams announce they're leaving the league at the pretty much the same day or the day after the the budget issues come out that they're basically almost on the chopping block. I mean, it was uh, I, I can't imagine trying to recruit, trying to do anything. The only thing I would think that they have going for them in some way, if you're a college hockey player and you know the program might be, there might be some questions, but you know you can go have a good year, jump in the transfer portal. Yeah, I can see that. Whatever it might be, uh, you can't you can't hurt yourself by going to play for one of those schools if it's the only opportunity that, that, that you get or it's an opportunity to be a, a top six forward or something like that. Not that I would encourage college athletes to do that but certainly it's set up in a way where if, if things are starting to fall apart you can you can bolt a lot easier than you could have uh, you know five ten years ago true well i suppose we could talk a little bit more about Seratori's weekend and the only series that went three games um i guess the biggest takeaway for me is that the 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 two losses for bemidji state excluding the one to minnesota state two weeks ago are really starting to play into their ability to get an at-large if they don't find a way to win it all. Obviously, if they do well this weekend and then lose to Minnesota State, I think they're fine. But if things play out any differently than that, I'm not sure they will be, especially if they don't sweep this weekend. I know if they get swept, they're not sitting 
good at all. But it, it'll be interesting to see if they can find a way to get in without winning that tournament championship. Yeah, if it, I, I, I agree. I think they're safe. If, if they sweep Bowl, Bowling Green, they can lose. They can afford a loss to Mankato, and I think they're still going to be in position for at-large because a loss to Mankato isn't going to hurt them. We're making a lot of assumptions here, Dustin. Well, I, I think they could also <laughs> afford to lose to Tech at that point with a sweep because Tech won't be in a bad place either. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard. I, I haven't played with the calculator thing too much, especially when there are so many games still to be played. So I don't know what all the factors are as far as, you know, you can put them in a vacuum and just, you know, give them two wins, give them two losses, you know, have it go three games, whatever it might be, and see where they end up. But unless you're going to plug in all the other variables, including what happens between Minnesota State and Michigan Tech this weekend, what happens with Minnesota against Penn State next weekend, because Bemidji played them, um, you know, and, and he gets to common opponents and opponents' opponents and everything else that falls in line with the pairwise rankings. It's just so hard to tell. So, I, you know, I, I, I'd have a hard time, you know, doing too much predicting on what a loss or a win would do for them, just because, unless you're going to put in all the other uh, variables of all all the other games that are happening around college hockey. Yeah, I know um, Joe Maloney posted their um, their latest Monte Carlo, and I think it had them in like 60-some percent of the time, and half of it was as the the conference winner, which okay. sounds about right to me. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen in any of those other leagues. I mean, no. Minnesota's currently on the outside looking in, but they're pretty close. They could play themselves... You know, they could win that tournament, potentially. They sure could, although Penn State seems to have their number. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so right now it's got Bemidji State getting in 59% of the time, and 42% of that is as an at-large. Okay. Which is actually better than I thought, but that's probably saying that most of the time they're going to win this weekend, most of the time they're going to lose to Minnesota State. That's what's going to happen, because this isn't just a straight percentage of probabilities it's legitimately like based on crash what's going to happen more often right but does that take into account head-to-head when they went 500 against mankato this year right they're saying they're going to be well it says they're in yeah so it says they're going to win the tournament like 18 percent of the time Mm -hmm. which doesn't i don't think that's wrong at this point i don't know well it's probably what does it say for mankato in the tournament like 70 percent of the time yeah 72 yeah, that sounds about right then. Yeah, and I mean, they're in, so that's good. But I, I would love to somehow see a third team in, but the only way I see that happening is if Tech wins this weekend. I don't think Bemidji can survive losing this series and still getting in unless nobody else steals a spot anywhere and they're all... Yeah, that's the other. I was just going to say the same thing. That's the other factor. Right, right As of right now, 15 teams get in. The sixteenth team is Atlantic Hockey, right? And then, right. and then you got to hope that there's no other, um, you know, surprises. If somehow the only other spot stolen is by Bowling Green, maybe they get in. But that's a lot to ask, and and you'd have a very nervous Beavers team waiting to see what happens. Yep, no question about it. But we'll obviously know a lot more by next week because there'll only be so many games left, and then we can all start fiddling with that. This is the big weekend. That's right. I was kind of well. I guess I wasn't surprised. I think as a group, most of us picked Bemidji sweep last week, right? I would have. I think so. Yeah. But I think I went out and said I didn't 
I, I think I picked in three, which for once I was right. That doesn't happen often. I guess I also picked the tech sweep, so I was right on those two. Wow. Yeah, you were good last week. <laughs> well, I only picked the tech sweep because nobody else did, and I was last, so I went different. But you picked the Mankato sweep. I think. Uh, I think we so all. I did. went three for. I went three for four because I did not <laughs> pick a. I don't think I picked Bowling Green to win. I think I picked Alaska in three. So Shane, have you had? I, I, we've asked everybody that's come on since Dr. Kurtz released his first memo. So, so what have you have you heard anything yourself other than what's been released, and what are your impressions of what's come out about the CCHA stuff? I haven't heard that much more. I mean, I, I think it's uh, you know, I, I think I put it out there. I wasn't, I didn't love the name. Um, I know there's a lot of people who. Uh, have some nostalgia for that for that league, and it certainly was a good league back in the day. Um, but you know, it was a good league back in the day when it was Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, and it's it's just it's not the same league, obviously, in, in Miami. But uh, I just thought it would have been a good opportunity to start fresh, start new, uh, really establish brand, establish the seven teams as a as a strong uh, unified group that wants to really improve their situation as a collective group going forward in college hockey. Um, but I you know, honestly I haven't heard that much more. I mean, I, you know, other than they've put that out, they put out that they're putting out a new, or they're getting a new logo and brand. I get that. Um, they're going to have a, they're starting to search for a commissioner. Which they apparently um, started like 30 years ago, according to the way their website looks, but. We've already talked about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you guys have hashed that all out. Um, I wasn't completely offended by that just because they had to figure out how to get that out there, um, at least have the job description out there. Hopefully they also used a couple other uh, good websites and things like that. But, uh, you know, they have, you know, if they are going to be the CCHA and somebody within the league owns it, then uh, I want to try to start up that website again in some degree. Some, some fashion or another just to have a little bit of a professional look to it. But so, yeah, I don't really know. I think um, kind of in the same boat as everybody else, just kind of waiting and seeing uh, what's going to happen and I have a feeling we probably won't see much until after the, you know, April meetings in, in Florida and I don't know whether or not they come out of that with a commissioner or getting close to one. Yeah. I think I personally didn't have a problem with the name. I think it's far more important what they do with this yep. fresh start than what they call themselves. But when you combine that with the website for the commissioner search, that kind of like set it all back. But I do think the hiring of, is it Bozak and son consult or whatever the firm whoever is for that the, consulting. That, yeah. That's a lot, of, a lot of nice logos. Yeah. They, I, the, I what they've done it, they, they've done very well. And I assume there's some connection that Bowling Green might've been the one that pushed for that. Cause they've, redid the Mac logo not that long ago, I guess, or something. And they've worked with the Mac. So I think it's, obviously I think hiring them is a good start. And obviously the, the logo needed a fresh start. I really don't mind the old name because I hate the idea of both those names disappearing from college hockey altogether. Why do we have to be the one to keep maintaining history? Wow. <laughs> Just let us have the fresh start. Well, too, well, well we're also the ones that seem to have the, you know, we're getting in trouble for being the ones that won't save every other program. So yeah, I love it that. It gets too. left to us to save programs. So 
Yeah, my my the, thing, my thing, and I wrote a column about this was I just think if you're if you're watching college hockey right now and it's happening right now with all the shots of Mariucci Arena and it's going to happen during the regionals and it's going to happen, you know, whatever. Um, We're just practicing for coronavirus and nobody getting to attend anyway. <laughs> Maintain your social distance while in the crowd with five seats in between each person. If they clear the arena, the NCAA arenas for coronavirus, will anyone notice? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but but really, the truth is the the we're stuck in the past, right? I mean, people talk about, well, why, why, you know, why don't, why aren't the Gophers drawing better? And well, it's because of conference realignment. They, everyone wants the old, the old WCHA back together, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not going to happen. Everyone knows it's not going to happen. Everybody keeps talking about it. It's been seven years. I didn't love the way things went down, especially with the way the NCHC did its thing. Um, I thought the Big Ten was inevitable. I thought the rest could have stayed together. I don't need to rehash all of that. We're so stuck in the past that I just thought, like, this was a chance. This was a chance for the seven schools who kind of got stuck together um, the last time realignment came around and, and those schools to get together and say, you know what? We're better now than we were seven years ago. We're getting, our, we're starting a new conference. We're going to make even bigger improvements than what we've done uh, with our programs, because you can't argue that post-realignment's been really good for Minnesota State, Michigan Tech, Northern Michigan, Bowling Green, Bemidji State uh, in particular, um, that you go forward with a new name and a new conference, and you kind of go with the NCHC model a little bit. And so when they reached back and took the old name, uh, the old brand, um, which they're not, they're not the old brand. They're you know, going to be a new conference, a new group. Um, I, I just thought it wasn't necessarily a real uh, progressive or forward thinking thought uh, on, on, on behalf of those schools. But I also know you get seven college presidents and seven athletic directors and a consultant, whoever else in the same room. And you say, all right, we got to come up with the name of a league. Uh, you're probably going to be arguing over seven different things until someone pulls up the DCHA and they all say, Hey, that's that, that works. And it's cheaper, right? We already got it. Yeah, probably. We don't have to pay to, to do certain things. You don't got to look and make sure those four letters are still a website you can grab. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you, but my biggest point when you look at the names and probably what happened in that room is I feel like every name that fits comes off like you're trying to draft off of somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be the American collegiate hockey conference because it just sounds like you're trying to be like the little brother of the nchc you can't be hockey west because it sounds like you're trying to be like hockey east i'm fine with the name as long as the leadership the branding and the leadership are better and do a better job of actually commanding the conference and not just being directly at the whim of the the seven teams per se and actually like push us somewhere instead of just following or feeling like it's a bunch of uh the old boys club stuff which i feel like you're you're hard not to feel like that's what's going on with shep and the refing situation to kind of circle back all right but i have a feeling that if you know, if you're starting over with a new president new marketing all new branding uh, thank god new head of officials it, it it's going to be a completely new conference and it's going to be defined by how they perform and what they do from now on more so than what was done in the old CCHA. 
You, do you really think that's true? I mean, we've been talking about the old WCHA for seven years now. It's not that talk's not going away. But it was the same name, I and mean, there was no gap. We've got this eight-year gap where you where it's like the hiatus helps that to me. You couldn't you, you you talk to you know a lot of college hockey fans now, and they wouldn't even be able to name the teams that were in the CCHA before. You know, we we could, but we host a podcast about it, right? <laughs> right. I've said that for a while. I, I think that's the. Well, that's the argument I've made about the people who complain about the, you know, the golfer situation, uh, you know, in terms of, well, we, you know, people were just clamoring for the old days of WCHA. Well, you know, we're seven years past that now. You're, you've got a whole generation of kids who play hockey, who watch golfer hockey. They don't know anything about the old WCHA. They know nothing about it. Well, I mean, the whole change, too, I mean, I didn't grow up in Minnesota, but you know, you guys that are over there and, and grew up over there, playing for the Gophers was the thing to, to, that you wanted to be as a kid, right? From from what I understand, and they were really proud of the fact that the whole team was like the best kids in Minnesota, went straight out of high school and went to play for the Gophers. Now you've got kids going to places like Duluth and, and Mankato instead, uh, you, 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 and, and Saint Cloud drawing away from that that pool that used to be pretty heavily focused on the Gophers themselves. And and Duluth is getting uh, their fair share of the best kids in Minnesota. Look at the Mister Hockey finals oh, for this sure. year. There was uh, it was heavily favored in Duluth for the finalists, and that's what happens when you win back to back national champions. Yeah, yeah. You know, for some reason, all your kids in the local area are really interested in hockey, even more so than they would be in in Minnesota. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's go ahead and to predictions for this weekend and then maybe we can talk about some other stuff if we've got anything else we think we need to talk about let's start with the series that has nothing to do with the four of us and start with Bemidji and uh, Bowling Green what do we think is going to happen there Shane you want to start I like Bemidji in three okay Rob yep <laughs> as much as I, I know I, I know I just praised Bowling Green up and down a little while ago but I, I just like the way Bemidji's playing I think Shane's right there I think it's going to be another tight weekend up in Bemidji, but Bemidji pulls it off. Yeah, I have a hard time not seeing that series going all three games. What do you think, Dustin? I I agree. It's going to be boring because we're all saying the same thing, but I, I really don't think it can be a sweep either way. I, I, I Both teams are playing too well, and I, I, I just think Bemidji's going to pull it off. Yeah. I'm looking forward to watching them. I guess I'll, I'll just be the contrarian because, you know, there's no fun doing a podcast and us all agreeing. So I'll take Bowling Green in three. Just to be a little different, I, I honestly don't know what's, I don't know. Yeah, I do think Bowling Green's got a great shot to do it, but Bemidji's, they've got to see that finish line now of being this close to making the tournament and finding a way. Right. When's the last time they made the tournament? Uh, was have they made it since that Frozen I Four? I think it was the year like, they went to the Frozen Four. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they've been a while. They've had. A, it's one of those things where I'm kind of grumpy it's not in Bowling Green because I'd absolutely love to have an Eastern time and a Central time start. I've got an iPad and I've got a computer monitor. I can watch both. They've won a McNaughton since then, but that must have been one of the years that it was a one-bid one bid league. They didn't make it. Yep. Yeah. So then on to the series one versus six, Michigan Tech at Minnesota State. Dustin? I think Tech puts up a fight and wins one game, but Mankato wins it in three. Damn you and being so logical. Rob? I'll go contrarian to start with right away and say that we somehow managed to win it in three ourselves. I think if 
We actually managed to keep the goals against down nice and low like we've done all year. And offense finally clicks. We do have a chance of winning. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, <laughs> you know, the Mavericks have their view on the fact that they're pretty much a lock-in anyways and take a weekend off. Going to have to catch McKay it's on not... a rare off night, I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't I don't really – I'd struggle to see my prediction actually happening, but I can hope, right? Right. Shane? Uh, you know what? I'm, I know Tex won the last two semifinals against MSU in three games. Um, maybe I'm just saying this for my own, uh, enjoyment of having a Sunday off, but I'm going to say Minnesota State <laughs> will sweep. <laughs> you know, I was doing some, some different number lookup, uh, cause you know, we had some struggles here this year to try and break down Joe's career so far. And one of the more interesting things that I found is that Michigan Tech is 0-7 and 1 against Minnesota State in the regular season, but they're obviously <laughs> 2 and 1 in the playoffs, uh which only happened once in his first two years, um uh, which isn't that surprising, but I I was actually really shocked to see just how bad they've been against him in the regular season. Just for reference, what is Tech against Northern in the playoffs? No, it's <laughs> three and oh it's certainly better than the alternative i think that was joe's quote from uh saturday night yeah. when asked how's about it how's it feel to go four and oh at, at northern it's, like, yeah. it's definitely better than the alternative <laughs> uh, he's totally being honest there we should really check and see if we can hold uh, host some home games at barry next year <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it called now the logan piedla event center the the, Wicca, the Wikipedia vandalism is yeah. strong within the tech fan. It base. went a little too far there for a while. There, it was very phallic. <sighs> Rob, what did you pick? Uh, I picked us winning because I hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one le- choice left, him, that no one else has said so far. The Homer pick that I picked last week that worked. <laughs> that uh, I can't imagine it working this weekend, but whatever. Tech sweeps. <laughs> And and apparently, according to Northern fans, tech still sucks, which is what this episode is going to be called. I've made it 63 minutes and 30 seconds without saying Northern sucks yet. <laughs> well, we ended their season. We can let it go, right? So anyway, no. yeah, I, no. <laughs> I, I don't really think tech will sweep, but, you know, they played them close in Houghton and they've given them a run. I, they're probably the team that's other than obviously some non-conference stuff, but I think other than Bemidji, they're probably the team that played them the best. Shane? Well, Northern had, uh, the Northern beat them, and that was uh, at Marquette. Okay. And then there were two close games in Mankato, one, Mankato won one nothing, I think, the second night, so. That's when that poor little man was controlling himself? I think for the most part, but... (laughs) I appreciate you guys having me on. I hate to hate to bolt, but uh, got to finish up some sports editor duties tonight. So I appreciate uh, it's been fun. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Shane. Yeah, thanks for we appreciate Shane. it. We'll talk again. Yep. You bet. A lot of fun. We'll talk to you again soon. Yep. Thanks, Shane. All right. Do we want to talk about RPI? What like the coronavirus? Coronavirus stuff? stuff. I suppose we could. If we want. Yeah, did an Eastern school actually canceled their stuff? No, it, well, they, they're playing they're, in front of no fans. They're closed doors. They're doing a closed door one. RPI fans, players, families barred from home playoffs to prevent spread of coronavirus disease COVID-19. 
the coach said you have mixed reactions from frustration and disappointment to acceptance for what it is. We had 100 fans at our open practice on Friday. I don't know. I don't have much of an opinion on it. It's up to each school to make that decision and determine what's right for them. You know, in some places it's going to make more sense than others as things roll their way through. Yeah. I mean, would I want to go to a, I don't know, a game in Seattle right now? Uh, probably not. It'll be interesting to see what happens between the fact that, you like, I know all of our tickets that we ever buy for anything, like sporting events-wise, have some kind of disclaimer on it for, like, in the event of rescheduling, like, you basically you're the one on the hook. Like, if we have to reschedule, that it's your job to figure out how to get there or sell the tickets. But if if we suddenly go and, like, a bunch of stuff gets rescheduled or canceled or if the game gets played closed doors and I paid for a ticket to go, I get my money back, right? Like, because the event pl- happened and I wasn't allowed to go. Like, that's the other part of this that you have to wonder that's going to happen. And obviously when it comes to college hockey, other than the Frozen Four, for the most part, nobody's bought tickets to these playoff games yet. And for most of the games that are coming up, nobody's going to buy tickets to them. Right. Like, <laughs> for the most part, like, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens because obviously, you know, last week attendance was down for pretty much every uh, playoff series. I think the one exception was Tech and Northern, but it was actually down compared to how many people attended the other Tech Northern games at Northern. I don't, I don't know what kind of stats they gave for attendance, but the Barry was not sold out. I don't care what they say. That was ridiculous from an attendance perspective. The numbers that whoever compiled them, I think it w- it was either Joe Maloney or Adam Wooden, somebody from CHN compiled the stats and showed that the attendance was up compared to Northern's average attendance. Okay, sure. For the season, which is probably true because it was probably still better than the average game last se- this whole season. But it wasn't better or anywhere close to what it was for most Tech Northern games. And part of that's spring break, and part of that's the fact that I think Northern, once they got tickets back from, like, they didn't sell all the tickets to the alumni that were saved for our, our friend, Apparch. Like, he got a ticket that way. He got to go that way. But I get, I'm guessing they didn't sell He's gonna all the tickets. He's going to love this episode. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably not going to listen unless he just hates himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, the, the whole thing about it is, like, that stuff happened, and and then the students didn't all come, so there's a bunch of tickets that came back, and I don't think I ever saw anything from Northern stating that there's a bunch of tickets available now, or it was ever really, like, brought up, because I don't think they wanted them taken by tech fans. They would have rather just taken the number of people they got there and had some empty seats and not had it be more tech crowd. Because I think, you know, I think Dirk made that pretty clear that nobody knew there were all these tickets available in the end beyond the tech allotment and what was given at the beginning of the week. Um, they, they like It sounded like Northern was making it perfectly clear that the games were sold out and then they ended up not being and nobody really communicated that to, to the tech faithful. But I don't think, I'm guessing there weren't a whole lot of people that didn't go that wanted to and then you have... TV6 broadcasting the games, which probably suppresses some of it. The other benefit I think that helped, too, is that Calumet was playing hockey at Lakeview before the game on Saturday, too. Okay. And uh, they destroyed 
I think it was Gaylord yeah, like was eleven like, to one, and yeah. it actually only went to two. Oh, here we go. Talking about high periods. school hockey, nobody cares about yeah, it, Rob. Yeah. Nobody Take cares. <laughs> Suck on some Michigan sports for a while, you Minnesota buggers. <laughs> well, as long as long as we're talking about high school sports, we might as well throw a shout out to where you live. The girls won state again. Did you hear that? I did not. You yeah. talking about Nina here? Yeah, the Fox City Stars won uh, back-to-back oh, they? They state championships okay. for the girls' D- uh, WIA championship. I think they play at Tri-County, they too. Do. I haven't, they I haven't do. gone down to a game yeah. this year. Yeah, the boys lost in the section final, and the girls won state again. So, kind of cool. I went to some of the games last year, but I didn't make it to any this year at all. Okay. But, yeah, the, the Calumet, you could see, you know, there was a lot of gray, a lot of gray and blue in the crowd. Okay, at the game because kids were just coming over in Calumet gear instead of going back home right away. That makes sense. Yep. That should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon. Join by visiting Patreon.com/slash/TechHockeyGuide. We can always use more of you guys. Patrons at the black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including our soon-to-be monthly recruiting mini-series. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. Thanks again to Shane Frederick for joining us this week. As I stated earlier, starting in March, we'll be doing the monthly recruiting mini-series. I'm already getting things lined up to talk to Carson Bannell. That might happen this week if I get some time. Uh, He'll likely be our first guest. If you want to hear that and the extended versions of all of our regular episodes, as I said, sign up to be a a patron at the black level or above at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. In general, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. We hit 2,000 listens outside of Patreon uh, over the weekend in just 16 episodes, which I think is pretty awesome. I think every episode has had at least 100 people listen except for our Christmas episode, which really doesn't surprise me all that much, but it's actually people are still listening to those older ones, so we'll probably hit that soon. Uh, you can I know submit- when I start listening to a podcast, I go through and listen to all the old ones too, and then at it's some like, point, oh, my binge is over. Yeah. Oh. And then you got to keep up and wait and all that good stuff. Yeah. It's the worst. You can submit questions through our email address, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasingmacpod. We're still waiting for somebody to actually do that. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate and review and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. Please check out Jonathan Zameda's series preview every Friday and Mike Antleitner's Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday. I believe this week his main column is actually coming out on Tuesday. And then he's doing a special preview himself talking about how we can beat Minnesota State on Wednesday if all goes according to plan and somebody else actually edits stuff on time, and it doesn't all fall to me. (laughs) You you can find all this and more at techhockeyguide.com. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers on this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. 90 minutes and 10 seconds. Booyah.
Started the fight. 